How's everybody doing? Hey guys, uh, I'm glad you guys are all happy because I'm about to tell you something that happened to me that I'm not that happy about. Um, right around the time this picture was taken, that's baby Joshi right there. This is a more recent picture of Joshi living that good life right there. Um, I got a call from a friend of mine. And, you know, right when you have a kid, who has kids? Anybody have kids? Right when you have kids, what happens? People start calling you, oh, congratulations. How's it going? And then, like, are you sleeping? <laughs> you know, they ask one of those questions. And, and so, you know, I'm here talking with this friend of mine that I hadn't talked to in a while, but a, a really good friend, someone, you know, been there for me for a long time. And uh, I hadn't talked to this guy for a while. And um, he's like, oh, so how's it going? I'm like, oh, it's going great. You know, is the baby good? The baby's great. Who does he look like? I hope he looks like the mom. And I'm like, what are you trying to say? And, uh, and then after he begins to ask some personal questions and he's like, Hey, so, you know, how are you doing financially? I'm like, Oh, I'm doing good. And this guy has a lot of money. So I'm thinking, Oh, you know, maybe he's going to write me a check or something. And, uh, and then, uh, then, uh, he's like, is your wife working? And I'm like, uh, no, um, she's not working. We actually planned for her to stay home for a while. And, and he's like, Oh, is your house paid off? I'm like, Oh, he's not going to give me money. He's going to pay off my house. And, um, I'm like, uh, no, my house is not paid off. I wish. And I paused for a minute waiting for him to say, oh, don't worry about it. I'm going to pay it off. That didn't happen. And he's like, he starts, he begins to tell me about something that he's doing. And then he, he whispers to me. He's like, hey, you know, there's this new government program that I think you're going to qualify for. And, and here's the thing, you know, if, if you qualify, you know, 30 days go by and um, you don't have to pay your mortgage for 12 months. And I'm like, I'm in. Where do I sign? Who do I call? And gives me the number. I call the people. I look into this whole thing. And, you know, I get the paperwork. And it's exactly standing alone. It's all these paperwork. And they need all the deeds and all this stuff. And I fill it all out. And, and you know, I'm real excited. And then I have to go to the bank and get a cashier's check. And I, I give the lady a $3,000 cashier's check. And, um, you know, she's like, man, you're so organized. And I'm like, oh, thank you. And, uh, you know, this is going to take like two weeks. I'm like, yes, two weeks. You know, we could do it. And, and uh, you know, like two weeks go by. I give her a call. And I'm like, hey, how's it going? She's like, oh, you're like number 10 in line. But don't, don't worry about it. Everything's going to be fine. I'm like, great. And then 30 days go by. I call her up and I'm like, hey, how's it going? She's like, oh, I got great news. You're in underwriting. This is about to go through. And then I begin to think, you know, maybe I'm getting a little pushy. I don't want to be a jerk or overbearing. Let me relax. You know, this is the government, you know, it's a government program. Like, you know, they run the DMV, they run, you know, the library system, they run the post office. What am I expecting them to really do something in 30 days? You know, let me relax. Hope nobody works in any of those places. And, uh, and so, you know, I wait and 60 days go by and my wife's like, uh, hey, have you talked to the people about the thing? And I'm like, no, I haven't. And I'll call them all on my way to work. And I call her on my way to work, and she's like, well, you know, it's out of my hands right now. You know, it's in the other department. You know, call me in a couple of days. I'm going to look into it. A couple of days go by. Call her up. And she's like, oh, you know, uh, they told me that they're working hard. You know, just be patient. I'm like, man, you told me 30 days. You know, we're like approaching like 90 days almost. And, and then uh, she's like, well, call me in a couple of days. And so I wait a couple of days, and I call her back, and she doesn't pick up the phone. And I keep calling her. She doesn't pick up the phone. I'm, I'm like, oh, my goodness. 
And so I call my friend up, and I'm like, hey, bro, you know, you told me about this, and what do I do? And he's like, man, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. I'm going through the same thing. I did the same thing. The same thing's happening to me. And I'm like, oh, come on, bro. I mean, and here's the thing. When I say bro, I consider this guy like a brother. This is a guy that had been with me, like, there, like, all the time. When, when I was going through tough times, he, he was there for me. He's helped me. He's been there for me all the time. And, and so, like, I was sure that nothing bad was going to happen. And, and so... um. Then I called the lady again, and she changed her phone number. The office she worked closed down. I call my friend. Now he doesn't answer my calls. It's been over a year. Still doesn't answer my calls. I mean, I felt like such an idiot. I put my trust in somebody, and they let me down. And I, I even felt horrible, like, in front of my wife. Like, she trusted me. And, you know, women are a little more cautious than men, right? And she's like, Mark, are you sure? I'm like, babe, I'm so sure about this. I'm trying to see. I don't even think she's here right now. She'll be here in the second service. So I get to say a little more. And, um, and uh, she tells me, like, you know, babe, you know, just be careful. And I'm like, honey, I'm so sure about this. I trust this guy so much. Oh, they're pointing. She is here. Oh, hi. Uh, <laughs> see? Uh, <laughs> All right. Good night, guys. Uh, I'm so sure about this. That I know that if this doesn't work out, that this guy will take money out of his own pocket and give it back to me. That's just the type of guy he is. And it's something he had done in the past. He had surprised me with, like, nice gifts and stuff. And so I knew this guy wouldn't do this to me. And, and here's the thing. I felt like such an idiot. Every time I think about this, I want to punch somebody. I want to punch myself. Because in, in, in this moment, you know, I, I was taken for a ride. And here's the thing. I'm the type of guy that sits around a table drinking Cuban coffee, making fun of people like me. All right, that's who I am. I'm the guy that makes fun of people that make mistakes like this. I grew up in Hialeah, born, raised, graduated, lived, all right, upgraded and moved in, you know, two blocks north. And this doesn't happen to somebody like me, and it did. Man, I felt like such a failure. I felt like I let my wife down, my, my newborn baby. I was out these $3,000. And I know you're all judging me right now, but here's the thing. We've all done this before. We've all, we've all made mistakes. We've all, at one moment in our life, we've put our trust in someone. We've put our trust in a person, in a boss, in a relationship, and they let us down. There's people here that got married, and the woman was so sweet and so nice, and a couple years go by, and she's this. Right? Others of you, when you dated this guy, he was such a hard worker. He worked at J.C. Penney's. I mean, this guy was working real hard. You get married, and he turns out to be this guy right here. <laughs> Family kidnapped by ninjas. Need $4 for karate lessons. All right? We put our trust in people. We put our trust in things, and they let us down. And for some of us, it goes even deeper than this. Many people make the same mistake when it comes to their spirituality, when it comes to their relationship with God. And that's exactly what we're going to be talking about today. We're in this series. It's called Ten Words, where we're taking an in-depth look at the Ten Commandments. And today we're going to be looking at the Second Commandment. And if you pull out your outline, this beige little paper, let's begin reading Exodus 20, verse 4. It says, you must not make for yourself an idol. Of any kind or an image of anything in heaven or on earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them. For I am the Lord your God and am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection. 
for any other God. See, if we really want to obey God, the first question, the first thing we need to identify is we need to ask, what is an idol? It's the first fluent in your outline. What is an idol? And an idol is anything that takes the place of God. Anything that is more important to you than God. Anything that absorbs your heart and your imagination more than God. Anything you seek to give you what only God can give you. The first type of idol that we're going to talk about today is a literal idol. An object, a piece of wood or a ceramic or clay or plastic. Or like God says in Exodus 20 verse 4, an image of something in heaven, on earth, or in the sea. What we're going to call today an idol of tradition. An idol of tradition. We live in South Florida, which is a melting pot of tradition and folklore and, and stuff. Every island, every country has their thing. It's from a horseshoe to a rabbit's foot to seashells, from crystals to coconuts in the corners of your house. And we will learn today that the things that we think and that we cling to that are going to bring good luck and blessings are really bringing about curses. Oh, and how can I forget the beads? The bracelets, the necklaces that are handed down from generation to generation. Maybe for you it's something more like this. This San Lazaro that you have in your house that, or, or in someone's house that they gave to you. And this is like, oh, and the little cigar there. You see the little cigar on the ledge there. Oh, and how can I forget the religious baseball cards? You know, that people keep in their wallets or inside of the Bible or books or in corners of their houses. Or maybe you're thinking, man, Mark, I'm too cool for any of that stuff. I have this cool Buddha in my house, though. You got to see it. You know, because I'm so feng shui and, and so, like, you know, into different cultures. God is saying to us this morning, that is an abomination. Get rid of that stuff. If you're a Christian, if you're a follower of God, you don't need a good luck charm or a Turkish eye. You don't need a dream catcher or a crystal. You don't need a daily horoscope on your Facebook page or a tarot card reading. You're a son and a daughter of God Almighty. The other day or many months ago, we got a phone call in the office from this lady who's been coming to our church, baptized at our church, serving at our church, growth groups. I mean, she's doing everything right. Get a call. And she's like, guys, you know, I used to be involved in Santeria. Santeria, I think I probably don't have to explain it, but it's like the official religion of Cuba um, it's a mixture of like Catholicism. No, don't laugh. Go to Wikipedia. It is. And uh, official religion, it's like voodoo and Catholicism and a bunch of other African stuff. And, and uh, this lady was into that. And she's like, I got a bunch of idols and stuff in my house. And I don't know what I should do with it. You know, and we're like, you got to get rid of it. And she's like, okay, can you guys help us? And we're like, we'll be right there. And Pastor John and I drove to her house in his Toyota Camry. Some of you have seen this Toyota Camry. In. And we drive to his house in the Toyota Camry. And when we get to her house, John begins pumping his brakes and he drives right through the front of her house. I'm just kidding. It's a Camry joke. Uh, <laughs> when we get to her house, I'm thinking it's going to be like the movies. It's going to be this eerie looking house with a gate that goes when we walk in. And, and when we get there, no, she has a beautiful house. And I wasn't greeted by a scary butler at the door. She opens the door and it's this broken woman freaking out. I mean, she had tears in her eyes. And she's like, come this way. And we walk into her house and there's an entire room in her house dedicated to this practice. 
I mean, there's pots, there's idols, there's dolls, there's clothing, there's necklaces, there's jewelry, gold jewelry, cigars and candles. There's all this stuff. And I look at John and I'm like, dude, I don't think this is all going to fit in your car. And, uh, and so we made three trips in John's car. And we packed that car up and we took everything out of there. We walked all around her house and took stuff off the walls. We, she had things everywhere. We took everything and we destroyed it. We crushed it. And we were rejoicing. We were so happy. We were telling people about what God had done in this lady's life. And then like three weeks later, she calls and says, I have more. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I mean, like, where does it fit? And she's like, but this is the biggest thing. And I'm like, all right, we got to go get ready. I go home. I change. Because I had spilled some, like, nasty, wet water. and Oh, it's disgusting. And, and, uh, and so I, I got work gloves. John put the seats in his Camry down. And, and, and we drive to her house. And she's like, okay, it's this way. There's a ladder in the kitchen. And John's freaking out, so I go up the ladder. And, uh, and I'm looking. And I grab this thing, like, four inches high, this little rooster. And I grab it. And, and she's like, be careful, be careful. Because they told me if they ever move this thing, if it ever falls, I'm going to die instantly. And I'm like, give me a break. Like, look at this thing. And I'm like, you know what? You are a child of God. You're a daughter of God. And, and none of this stuff has power over your life. And it was incredible to me how these things controlled her emotions. The Bible says this in Deuteronomy 27. Cursed is anyone who carves or casts an idol and secretly sets it up. These idols, the work of craftsmen, are detestable to the Lord. Today we need to ask ourselves, today we need to take an inventory of our homes and say, is there anything here that does not honor God? Is it a jewelry? Is it something that has been passed down from generation to generation? Images, saints, these baseball cards. Oh, and how can I forget the elephant with its butt facing the door to keep out the bad luck and and the bad spirits? We need to get rid of this stuff. We need to get rid of these things because you know what we're doing when we have these things in our house is we're telling God, is that I don't trust you, God. We're telling God, you know, I believe in you, I'm a Christian, but I need these other things to make me feel good. I need these other things as backup to help me out. And some of you are saying, Mark, this stuff doesn't mean anything to me. I'm a child, I'm washed in the blood, I'm all this stuff. This stuff has nothing over me. It's just, you know, an heirloom. It's been passed down from generation to generation. You know what? God's saying, get rid of it. Get rid of it. Oh, it's a gold chain. Get rid of it. God said this to the children of Israel. After you've conquered a nation, burn their idols. Don't get trapped into wanting the silver and gold on an idol. Burn the idols. And then if they have jewelry, if they have little gold studs or diamonds, don't get trapped into even wanting the things that are on top of these idols. Even the metal on an idol is disgusting to the Lord. So destroy it. If you bring it into your home, both you and your house will be destroyed. Stay away from those disgusting idols. And this isn't Mark saying this. This isn't me manipulating. Check out what else God says in Isaiah 31. I know the glorious day will come when each one of you will throw away the gold idols. Not sell, not go to the pawn shop. Throw away the gold idols and silver images your sinful hands have made. See, idolatry is a big deal. What we put our trust in is such a big deal that the first two commandments, not the third, not the fourth, not the tenth, the first two commandments are dedicated to this very thing. Commandment number one, you must not have any other gods but me. Commandment number two, do not make for yourself an idol of any kind. 
See, why is God making sure that we don't worship anything else? Why is he so adamant of, of us not having idols? It's because there is only one God. God is trying to tell us, don't put your trust on something else, on someone else. It's not me because they're going to let you down. The same way that I put my trust in my friend. And in the end, I was let down. In the end, I lost money and I felt like an idiot. And I hope that by now you guys are convinced that they are literal idols. They are traditional idols, idols that have been crafted by someone, idols that have been made to be worshipped in someone else that's not God. Things that we put in our houses to keep the bad vibes away, to bring good luck. According to the Bible, there's something that's even more powerful than a graven image. There's something that's even more powerful than some of the pictures that you saw today. And it is the second type of idol that we're going to talk about today. It's the idols of the heart. The idols of the heart. Ezekiel 14 says this. These men have set up idols in their heart and put wicked stumbling blocks before their faces. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Repent. Turn from your idols and renounce all your detestable practices. My friends, the human heart is a factory that mass produces idols. What do you say, Mark, that, that I have idols in my heart? I mean, I dare you that I have idols in my heart. And here's the thing. There's probably more idols in the hearts here today than that woman had inside of your house. And you know what? God is saying, I hate idols. I hate the idols that people can have in their homes or on the dashboard of their car or whatever. I hate those idols, but I also hate the idols that people have inside of their heart. Turn from those idols too. And here's the first step. The first thing that we need to do to turn from these idols is we need to identify. We need to identify our idols. And how do we do that? How do we do that? And you can identify these idols. The next fill-in is by asking the question, what do I think about? What do I think about? See, idols capture our imagination. And we can locate them by looking at our daydreams. What do we enjoy imagining about? What is our fondest dream? Where does your mind drift to? That house on the beach? That woman with no clothes on? That closet full of shoes or full of the nicest clothes or the nicest purses? See, the mind is a very, very powerful thing. I'll give you an example. Every once in a while, I'm driving around with my wife in the car, mostly when we're going to like Disney World. And we drive by one of these huge billboards with like the jackpot, 300 million or something like that. And it, it, sometimes I wait for her to ask me. I don't know if she waits for me to ask, but we always ask each other, what will we do if we win the lotto? And we start spending all this money. We're like, oh, we'll pay off our parents' houses. We'll, we'll pay off our house and we'll rent it. And then we'll get a condo at the beach and we'll get a condo in Marco. And, you know, we'll, we'll do this and we'll travel around the world. And we'll give all this money to the poor and to God. And we'll finally build a church for Calvary Fellowship. We'll do all this great stuff. And we'll put, we have like 15 nieces and nephews. I don't know, it's a bunch of them. We'll pay for their college and, and we'll put away for the kids. And we'll do all this stuff. And, and, and by, before we know it, like an hour has gone by and we're still spending money. In our minds, our minds are a powerful thing. Most people spend their entire lives trying to make their hearts fondest dreams come true. And isn't that what life is about? Isn't that the American dream, the pursuit of happiness? And have you ever stopped to think that if you were to reach and you were to achieve your fondest dreams, your, your biggest achievement, have you ever stopped to think... 
that maybe your deepest desires might be the worst thing that could ever happen to you. See, I've talked. I've talked to successful people. I've talked to people that have achieved whatever this world says is success. They've gotten it. Cars, houses, boats, vacation homes, yachts, nicest clothes, big businesses, respect from their peers. I mean, they've gotten it all. And I've sat with them and I've heard them say, Mark, you know, we started off in a little apartment in like East Hialeah, and it was, it was awesome. And we would sit together at night sometimes. We didn't have cable. And we would just talk about our dreams and how we were going to go to college and we were going to achieve all this stuff. And, and we did it. We had kids. We got the house. We got the cars. We got everything that we dreamed about. Our fondest dreams came true. And now I don't even know my wife. Now my kids are all grown up and I wasted all these years working hard to achieve what I thought was happiness. And I wish I could just go back and make it to his little league games. I wish I could be there for my daughter when she first started dating. She's a mess now. I wish I could be there for her. I was chasing my fondest dreams and my fondest dreams have turned out to be a nightmare. You know what it is that you think about? And some of you are probably even embarrassed to admit it. God, said, God says this in Romans 8. When people's thinking is controlled by their sinful, sinful self, they're against God because they refuse to obey God's law and really are not even able to obey God's law, Romans 8, 7. And Psalms 94, 11 says, The Lord knows what people think. He knows their thoughts are just a puff of wind. If I would know Hebrew and I was called to translate this, God would be saying, I know what people are thinking, and they're a bunch of airheads. That's what this is saying. God is saying, I know what's inside people's minds, and they're a bunch of airheads. They have air. It's a puff of wind. What are we thinking about? Next thing we need to ask is, where is my money going? Are you a greedy person or a generous person? Ephesians 5.5 5 says this, For of this you can be sure, no immoral impure or greedy person such a man is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of christ and of god what are those things that you have to have that you work extra hard to have so that you can be supposedly happy is it a gadget i mean the latest ipad or a tv is it like having that lexus or the latest fashion or maybe it's drugs Maybe it's alcohol, or you spend all your money partying with your friends, or spending it at the Hard Rock Casino. You know that 100% of the money that you have, some of you are like, I got like a buck, and others of you have more than that. 100% of that, God has given it to you as a blessing to provide for your family. Jesus, when he's teaching us how to pray, what does he say? Give us this day our daily bread. God is providing for you. So that you can provide for your family, so that you can do good with that money that you have, so that you can be a blessing. Ask yourself, are you you giving back to God? Are you giving back to God like the Bible clearly teaches? Matthew 6, 21 says this, your heart will always be where your treasure is. You want to find out what people worship? Look at where their money's going. Where are they spending their money? That is where their heart is. See, some of you today, you need to pull out your connection cards. And your next step is to sign up for the financial seminar so that you can begin to get your finances straight. 
so that you can make sure that you're spending your money in the way that God wants you to spend it. See, this isn't just a thing of getting out of debt. This is teaching you how to invest, teaching you how to save, teaching you how to do a bunch of stuff. And we got like professionals that are teaching this class. It's going to be at Don Shulu's. There's actually a flyer, I think, in your bag. Sign up for that. And make sure you begin to honor God with the way that you're spending your money. Number three is ask the question, what am I living for? What do you do with your time? What do you do with your time? Where are you spending most of your time? Is it on Facebook or on MySpace or chatting or texting? Where are you spending your time? Yesterday, I almost like drove off the road. I'm, I'm driving, leaving the office, leaving Miami Lakes, driving into Hialeah. There's this dude next to me right at the light right there on 84th and 12th, right? And I see him in his nice car, loud music, taking pictures of himself as he's driving. He takes off, still taking just like this guy right here taking pictures of himself as he's driving his car. I'm thinking, this guy is going to kill somebody just so he could put a cool picture of himself on Facebook so that he could change his profile pic. See, what are the places that you have to go to? Places that you feel like the world would be over if you didn't go. Maybe it's the mall, happy hour, that friend, oh, my best friend, my BFF. I got to spend time with them. Maybe it's a girlfriend or a boyfriend that if you're not with them every single minute of the day, you're going to die. For others of you, maybe it's your family. You're like, Mark, I'm obsessed with my family. I live. I do everything for my family. It's a noble thing. It's a noble thing. But let me tell you, one day your wife is going to let you down. One day your husband is going to let you down. And if you're obsessed, if if all your trust and all your hope is in your husband, you're going to fall apart. You're going to feel like your world has fallen apart. Oh, Mark, I live for my children. They're a blessing from God. I'll do whatever I have to do for my children. Let me tell you, and I know I don't need to convince too many people, your kids are going to let you down. I tell my wife, wife this all the time. We have a one-year-old. You saw him, Joshi, and we have a three-year-old, Caleb. And I tell her, babe, this cute little boy, one day, he's going to be a teenager. He's not going to want to be seen with us. He's going to say, Mommy, drop me off a block away from school. I want to walk to school. One day we're going to tell him, you can't go to the movies. And he's going to be like, you're ruining my life. And he's going to slam the door of his room. Imagine if I live for that boy, if everything I do is for him and all my trust and everything is in that kid. My life would be over. I would feel like, oh, God, you know, the world is going to end. Maybe for you it's video games. You spend all day on your computer, you know, playing World of Warcraft or Call of Duty or whatever the thing is. I mean, you're obsessed with this thing. You go crazy. It's like, oh, I can't, go to, I can't go to dinner with you. I have an appointment. And you live your life attached to your computer, to your PlayStations. Hey, what are you spending your time on? See, if we live our life to advance our career, if we live our life and we trust our bosses and we trust all these people, the time will come when they'll let us down. That's why we saw the suicide rate blow up when the market started crashing. All these people with their hopes and dreams on their bank accounts and their investments, they began to kill themselves and to go crazy because their hope, their trust was on their finances. Their hope, their trust was on their bosses. Imagine if we lived our life this way, like Matthew 6, 33 says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Put God first in your life, first in your worship. And when your children mess up or misbehave, God, they're in your hands. 
God, I know you're going to take care of them. Drop them off in school the first day. God, I know you're taking care of my kids because I serve you. My trust is in you, not in a teacher, not in, in my kid. Day your husband or your wife lets you down. It's like, God, I trust you. I mean, what a burden to say I put all my trust in you, my wife or my husband. What a burden to give. It's not fair. We're flawed. We're sinful people. We put our trust, all of our trust and all of our hope in God. Of course, we trust our husbands and our wives and our children. But our hope and our trust is centered and founded on God. See, some of you today need to ask, what am I doing with my time? Am I just living for myself, for my pleasures, for what I want to do, to go to the beach, to like not go to work whenever I don't want, to leave early, to just sleep in, to do all this stuff, like whatever I want, to be happy. Maybe your next step today is, you know what, to start serving God, to get involved with what God is doing right here in this community, in Calvary Fellowship. You pull out your connection card, and the fourth thing down is to serve at Calvary Fellowship, and you start saying, God, you gave me life. I breathe because of you. Now I want to serve you. Now I want to give back to my church. I want to give back to you. And you begin living for God. Number four, what is your most uncontrollable emotion? Is it your anger, your bad mouth, your language, an addiction of some kind? Ask yourself, do I feel like I have to have this thing to be fulfilled? Is there something in your life that you want Or think you need so bad that you will do whatever it takes to get it. I was talking to this guy the other day in my office and starts telling me how his life is falling apart. Starts telling me, you know, I make all these commitments with God and I leave church and I never follow through on it. You know, I forget, I completely forget and I ask him questions, trying to help him out. It's a young, young guy and I'm like, hey, so... So are you having sex with anybody? And he's like, oh, I wish you wouldn't have asked that question. You don't understand, Mark. I I just got to have a lot of sex. You know, uh, it's the way God made me. I'm not like everybody else. You know, making excuses. You know what his idol is? His idol is sex. See, why do we fail to love or keep promises like this young man shared with me? Why do we fail to live unselfishly? Of course, the easy answer is, Mark, we're weak. The flesh is weak. You know, we're sinful, but the specific answer is this. Is there something that we feel that we need to have to be happy? Something that is more important, and here's the truth, more important than God himself. So ask yourself today, what controls me? What controls me? And once we identify the idols of our heart, we identify these things, then we can get rid of it. See, for some of us, it's obvious. It's a tangible thing. It's a thing that everybody knows about. And for others, it's a secret. It's stuff that no one knows about. And Colossians 3 says this, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above. Not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires and greed, which is idolatry. We need to get rid of our idols. We need to get rid of our idols. Filling in the outline. See, over and over today, we've read stories. We've read verses In the New Testament and the Old Testament of God saying, I hate idols. 
of God saying that idols are disgusting, they're an abomination, get rid of them. Commandment number two says you must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them, for I am the Lord, your God. I'm a jealous God. And a more modern translation says, I am a jealous lover who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. See, right when this happened, right when God told Moses this, Moses went down from the mountain, and most of us know the story. What happened? The children of Israel worshiping an idol, worshiping a false god. And it is my prayer this morning that when we leave here today, that we don't go back and continue doing the things that we were doing. Then we don't go like, ah, you know, abuelita me dio el santico este, or my grandma gave me this little thing, this little saying, and, you know, it doesn't mean anything. God's saying, get rid of it. Get rid of those idols. Put your trust in me. Worship the one true God. That's what we need to do. We need to worship the one true God. It's not enough just to get rid of the idols. See, our heart, like I said, it mass produces idols. We need to get that junk out and put God in there. And let God sit in the throne of our hearts and rule and control our lives so that we can be blessed. See, that's what the Ten Commandments are about. The Ten Commandments is about God protecting your life. It's not a way of God giving you rules and trying to ruin your life. It's just like like this sign right here. Danger, no diving. Somebody didn't go out one day and say, I want to ruin everybody's weekend. And I'm going to put this up so that people don't dive into my pool because I'm like that. I'm a jerk. No, that sign is up so that you don't break your neck and die. So that you don't dive off some like bridge somewhere and dive into like a rock. That's just what the Ten Commandments are. It's God's way of protecting your life. God knows. Not only does he know that there's no other God, he knows if you start worshiping a stick or some beads around your neck, you're going to be miserable. You're going to be let down. If you put your trust on other things that are not God. You are going to be let down because simply there is no other God. Miss Cleo is going to let you down. Guate Mercado, he's going to let you down. Good luck charms are useless. Asabaches are useless. It is, it is a sin and it's like a slap in the face to your Christianity and to God. It is disrespectful. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says this. Trust the Lord. With all of your heart. And don't depend on your own understanding. Remember the Lord in all that you do. And he will give you success. You want to be successful? Trust God. You want to have a great marriage? Trust God. You want to be successful when it comes to your studies and your school? Trust God. You don't want your kids to get into trouble? Trust God. Don't put some weird jewelry on them. You want your house to be protected and nothing bad to happen? Trust God. Trust God. Don't start putting junk on your doorstops and things like that. Trust the Lord. Put your hope in God. Imagine if we would begin to live our lives this way. You say you're obsessed with your children. Trust God. Begin living for God. Teach them principles that honor God and show your kids that you're not trusting another person. So then they grow up and begin to trust God. Imagine the homes that we would have. I mean, we'd probably have to close down the counseling ministry here at Calvary Fellowship if everyone would begin to love and trust God and put all their hope in God and not on some trinket. I mean, I was walking in Pembroke Lakes Mall this week, 
And there's this entire thing, lucky eyes, and it's all these Turkish eyes. I mean, it was slam-packed with stuff. And I'm like, people are so stupid, and these things aren't even cheap. Get rid of all that stuff. Get rid of the idols of your heart. And imagine how awesome your life will begin to be if you live for the one that created you, for the one that made you. Shouldn't he know what you need if he made you? The Bible says that he made you in the palm of his hand. God loves you and God wants you to be happy. And that's why he says, have no other gods. That's why he says, don't make idols. Don't waste your time. 